Thank you for joining us at the First Baptist Church of Coleraine, Massachusetts, as Pastor Jim Rennie continues to faithfully challenge and encourage us in the Word. And it is our prayer that this message will encourage the believer and bring the unbeliever closer to a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, welcome to the First Baptist Church here in Coleraine, Massachusetts. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening wherever you are. We appreciate that. We've come as far today as chapter 18, the book of Revelation. It's called The Fall of Babylon. And let's read the word of God. We're going to read the whole chapter. Chapter 18. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven. He had great authority. And the earth was illuminated by his splendor. With a mighty voice, he shouted, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a home for demons and a haunt for every evil spirit, a haunt for every unclean and detestable bird. For all the nations have drunk the maddening wine of her adulteries. The kings of the earth committed adultery with her and the merchants of the earth grew rich from her excessive luxuries. And then I heard another voice from heaven say, come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins, so that you will not receive any of her plagues. For her sins are piled up to heaven, and God has remembered her crimes. Give back to her as she has given. Pay her back double for what she has done. Mix her a double portion from her own cup. Give her as much torture and grief as the glory and luxury she gave herself. In her heart she boasts, I sit as queen, I am not a widow, and I will never mourn. Therefore, in one day, her plagues will overtake her. Death, mourning, and famine. She will be consumed by fire. For mighty is the Lord God who judges her. When the kings of the earth who committed adultery with her and shared her luxury, see the smoke of her burning, they will weep and mourn over her, terrified at her torment. They will stand afar off and cry, Woe, woe, O great city, O Babylon, city of power, in one hour your doom has come. The merchants of the earth will weep and mourn, over her because no one buys their cargoes anymore. Cargoes of gold, silver, precious stones, and pearls, fine linen, purple, silk, scarlet cloth, every sort of citron wood and articles of every kind made of ivory, costly wood, bronze, iron, and marble. Cargoes of cinnamon and spice, of incense, myrrh, frankincense, of wine and 
olive oil, of fine flour and wheat, cattle and sheep, horses and carriages, and bodies and souls of men. They will say, the fruit you long for is gone from you. All your riches and splendor have vanished, never to be recovered. The merchants who sold these things and gained their wealth from all from her will stand afar off, terrified at her torment. They will weep and mourn and cry out, Woe, woe, O great city, dressed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, glittering with gold, precious stones and pearls, in one hour, such great wealth has been brought to ruin. Every sea captain and all who travel by ship, the sailors and all who earn their living from the sea will stand far off. When they see the smoke of her burning, they will exclaim, was there ever a city like this? this great city, and they will throw dust on their heads and with weeping and mourning cry out, woe, woe, O great city, where all who had ships on the sea became rich through her wealth. In one hour, she has been brought to ruin. Rejoice over her, O heaven. Rejoice, saints and apostles and prophets. God has judged her for the way she treated you. And then a mighty angel picked up a boulder the size of a large millstone and threw it into the sea and said, With such violence, the great city of Babylon will be thrown down never to be found again. The music of harpists and musicians, flute players and trumpeters will never be heard in you again. No workman of any trade will ever be found in you again. The sound of a millstone will never be heard in you again. The light of a lamp will never shine in you again. The voice of bridegroom and bride will never be heard in you again. Your merchants were the world's great men. By your magic spell, all the nations were led astray. In her was found the blood of the prophets and of the saints and of all who have been killed on the earth. May God give us understanding of his holy word this morning. Amen. Let's open in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, as we read this chapter in the book of Revelation, we are so thankful that the people of God, the church, will never have to suffer wrath because we have been saved by the blood of the Lamb, the Lord Jesus. And uh, we pity those who are lost, headed for a lost eternity. 
those that will go through the tribulation, the great tribulation that will suffer the plagues that will be poured out on this earth whilst the church is in heaven, praising and rejoicing. We ask us to be tuned in to this message, not to be distracted, to, to learn, to grow, and to be fed from your word this morning. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. The name of this message is Fallen, Fallen is Babylon the Great. Some of you have heard of the author George Orwell. He wrote, amongst other things, the further a society drifts from the truth, the more it will hate those who speak it. The further a society drifts from the truth, the more it will hate those who speak it. It's already started to happen, hasn't it, in our society. During the time of the future seven-year tribulation period, there will be a worldwide opposition against the truth that Jesus preached and his people, the saints, because the majority of people in the world at that time who have the mark of the beast, who is the Antichrist, will be lovers of him, worship him. They'll be lovers of self, money, materialism, and again, him, the Antichrist, who is yet to come. Last week, we learn from chapter 17 the name Babylon, otherwise referred to the mother of harlots. It not only refers to a false one world religion during the first half of the tribulation period, the first three and a half years, but also in this chapter, John describes the fall of commercial Babylon which will be a corrupt political economic system headed up by the Antichrist, otherwise known as the beasts. Babylon could also, and most likely is, as well as that economical and religious one world system, is a literal city and could be the location, we're not sure for certain, no one really sure. Some believe it's gonna be in Rome, we don't know. It could be the original location in the Middle East where Babylon used to exist, where the inception of wickedness and the worship of demon spirits and uh, being controlled by satanic forces and false religions, it all began in the city of Babylon, which is now Iraq. It, will it be rebuilt? Most likely. We don't know for sure, but we do know it is a city. Let's just say it is, okay? We know, along with religious Babylon, there's going to be commercial Babylon. It's going to cease. It's going to cease to exist, just like religious Babylon will cease to exist. 
but it's going to be near the end of the seven-year tribulation before Jesus returns to set up his kingdom on earth. Judgment will fall on this earth. The plagues will fall during the tribulation period. We read that a glorious angel proclaims the destruction of wicked Babylon, making mention of her sexual immorality which is symbolic of people turning away from God and living for self. We see it in our society. Uh, people living that lifestyle, accumulating wealth, and gratifying the loss of the flesh. That's just what comes naturally. Uh, the city or nation, Babylon, in the end times will not only be the hub of commerce and power, but of sin and sensuality. So because judgment is coming on wicked Babylon, the Apostle John hears this voice warning God's people to leave the city, again, the city of Babylon. You know, God has done this in the past. We're not appointed to wrath as believers. He saved Lot from the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. He did it in the past. He'll do it in the future. Listen again to the prophecy of Isaiah, chapter 13, verse 19. And Babylon, the glory of kingdoms, the beauty of the Chaldees, excellency, shall be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. So there's a prophecy again that ties up with this chapter that Babylon, that great city, will be destroyed. There's a saying that goes, absolute power corrupts absolutely. Have you heard that before? Absolute power corrupts absolutely. The wickedness of the people that live in economic Babylon is satanically inspired and controlled by demons, the evil spirits. They're going to have free reign, totally. Let's have a look again, verse 2. With a mighty voice, he shouted, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a home of demons and a haunt of every evil spirit a haunt of every unclean and detestable bird. But judgment will fall. It'll be swift. It's only going to take one literal hour, one literal hour, to completely destroy wicked Babylon. Who can forget, and we should never forget, what happened September 11th? Where were you? 2001. When terrorists hijacked two commercial air airlines and flew them into the Twin Towers in the World Trade Center, the capital, the business capital in New York City. Didn't take long for those buildings to fall, did it? But as for the future, 
commercial Babylon will go down from being an outrageously wealthy and powerful economic system, it's going to be reduced to ashes within one hour. The Apostle John, he also sees an angel with, and milestones, as you probably know, are made out of stone, generally, that grinds the wheat, etc. John sees this angel, and angels are the most powerful beings in the universe. He sees an angel throwing this gigantic millstone into the sea. It's probably uh, the Euphrates. We don't know for sure, but most likely. And this is the final and wicked end of Babylon. When the city of Babylon does fall, it's going to be payback for all the persecution and the murder of God's people that will be saved during the tribulation period. I'm not talking about the church. The church is already going to be taken out at the, the resurrection, otherwise known as the rapture. We're talking about the tribulation saints, people that will be saved during the seven-year tribulation period that will be persecuted because of their faith in Jesus Christ, who refuse to take the mark of the beast, either on their hand or on their forehead. So they're not able to buy or to sell. They'll be persecuted. Many will be put to death. Many will be beheaded, like the Apostle Paul was beheaded. Why? Because of his faith in Jesus Christ. That's going to happen. Now it's payback time. For those that worship the beast, that worship money, that worship self, that worship demon spirits, that worship the Antichrist that persecuted the people of God. It's payback time. Retribution. It's time for retribution now. And within one hour, it's going to be destroyed. In chapter 17, last chapter we learn that the religious ecumenical Babylon, that's going to be erased by the ten kings that serve the Antichrist halfway through the tribulation period. Why? To give the Antichrist complete power and political control and authority over the whole world. And nobody seems to care when that happens. But in this chapter, those political leaders and the economical leaders and the general population will grieve over the fall of commercial Babylon. It tells us that in verse 19. Why? Why are they grieving? But they never grieved about the, the destruction of... Uh, ecumenical Babylon, the religious Babylon, why are they grieving now? Because their economic prosperity and livelihood is going to be snatched away in an instant when they will see from a distance smoke that's rising from the destruction of the city of Babylon. The great city, it says. The great city is fallen 
Some of you historians know a little bit about history. I've heard about the Wall Street crash. Remember that? Some of you may have still been alive then. Some are nodding their heads. Most of them could know. I'm not that elderly. Right? Some of you may remember that. Some of you may have lived through it. Wall Street crash, just to remind ourselves, 1929. Hearing about ruined financiers pitching themselves off out of windows, off buildings and bridges. Why? Because they were financially ruined. They put all their hopes and dreams in the love of money. Some of you may have heard of Will Rogers. If you never heard of him, Google it. Google his name. He happened to be in New York, what they call Black Thursday, as it was called, October the 24th, 1929. In his newspaper column of that day, he wrote, when Wall Street took that tailspin, you had to stand in line to get a window to jump out of. And spectators were selling space for bodies in the East River. New York correspondent for one of London's tabloids wired home that lower Broadway was clogged with corpses. Visiting New York at the time of the slump, as he called it, Winston Churchill wrote in an article in a London newspaper, recalled seeing the sight of a workman smoking his pipe on a girder 400 feet above Manhattan. His last smoke. The fellow was inadvertently causing a traffic jam in the street below. A crowd had gathered believing that the man, bent on self-destruction, was waiting in a respectful and prudent manner for his final act. You know, one day, the Bible tells us, and the Bible is the only thing you can believe to be true, this whole world and everything in it is going to be gone. And for a lot of people, believe it or not, they put all their hopes and dreams in what they can accumulate. God becomes their money, their, their, their love of their life. But it's all going to be taken away in an instant. There's nothing wrong with money. There's nothing wrong with accumulating wealth. But the love of money, the Bible says, is the root of all evil. Now, if you want something that lasts forever, then you must receive Jesus Christ as your personal savior. 
And when you receive Jesus Christ as your personal savior, you're guaranteed a home in heaven when you leave this world. It'll give you peace on earth. Yes, we will have troubles. We're not guaranteed that we won't have troubles. Of course we will, because we live in this world. It's a fallen world due to the sin that came in. But you can have peace through the, the trials and the temptations and the sicknesses and the grief that we will experience. Because only then you can receive true peace when you receive the Prince of Peace. Amen? Becoming a Christian is the best thing a person could ever experience. And the rewards, and I thank each one of you, church, that do what you do. There's just little things that don't seem important, but they are. Folding the bulletins or doing whatever you do. The rewards for faithful service are out of this world. God's keeping score. He sees what you do. And if you do it for Jesus, it'll count for eternity. There's a hymn some of you are familiar with. It's called Only One Life to Offer. Do you know that one? Let me quote. Only one life to offer Jesus, my Lord and King. Only one tongue to praise thee and of thy mercy sing forever. Only one heart's devotion, Savior. Oh, may it be consecrated alone to thy matchless glory, yielded fully to thee. Only this hour is mine. Lord, may it be used for thee. May envy every passing moment count for eternity. My Savior, souls all about are dying, dying in sin and shame. Help me bring them the message of Calvary's redemption in thy glorious name. Only one life to offer, yours mine only one life to offer take it dear Lord I pray nothing from thee withholding thy will I now obey my Jesus thou who has freely given thine all in all for me Claim this life for thine own, to be used, my Savior, every moment for thee. I hope that's your prayer. One day this old world's going to pass away, including all the cities on this earth, including the city of Babylon. But you know, there's only one city that is safe and secure forever and ever, that God has prepared for us. God has prepared a city 
for us to live in forever and ever, where there'll be no sin, where there'll be no pain, where there'll be no suffering, where there'll be no tears, where there'll be no troubles or concerns or worry. Suffering or corruption will no longer exist. I'm going to close by quoting this. Philippians chapter 3, verse 18 through 21. For as I often told you before, says the Apostle Paul, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. That's the bad news, right? Here's the good news. We'll end on the good news. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, God's in control. You may not think it is, but he is. Bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies, so that they will be like his glorious body. There's a promise from the Lord this morning. Amen. Amen. Let's close in a word of prayer. Oh Lord, these are solemn things. And we're coming to the end of these plagues that have been predicted to occur on the unsaved that are going to be left behind. When we meet you in the air, so shall we ever be with the Lord. And comfort one another with these words, you tell us. We don't have to go through the wrath, the plagues that will be poured out, the bold judgments, the sealed judgments, the trumpet judgments and the destruction of economical Babylon and commercial Babylon. We won't be here. We'll be gone. We'll be with the Lord. And next week, Lord willing, we'll start rejoicing in the fact we get back to the subject of the church and how it's going to affect us in the future. So these are solemn things and they're not very pleasant to think about. But we need to know and realize that it's going to take place. Let me talk to you folks that are listening. You're not a Christian. You've never been saved. You will suffer wrath. The wrath of God is abiding on you now. But if you receive Jesus Christ as your personal savior, there will be no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Believe, simply believe that Jesus Christ is Lord 
that Jesus died and bled on the cross at Calvary. He shed his sinless, precious blood. He took the punishment for your sins on that cross, the punishment that you deserve because of the sins that you've committed, living for self all your life. But there's good news. You can be saved from the wrath to come. If you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. Believe, believe. Not what you can do to go to heaven by your good works, but what Jesus has already done on the cross that you couldn't do for yourself. Thank you, Father, for this time that we've spent together. And may that hymn be our prayer to dedicate our lives, if we haven't done so already, to commit to serve you from this day forward and from the rest of our days as we live on this earth until you take us home to be with you. We ask you to do that and help us to live for you and not live for self. In the name of Jesus Christ, whose name is above every name, we ask these things. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for tuning in, and uh, we hope and pray this message will be a blessing to you. And if you watched it on YouTube or Facebook, give us a thumbs up and subscribe. Won't cost you a penny or a cent. Thank you again for tuning in. You can find our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you find podcasts. We'd love for you to join us at the First Baptist Church in Coleraine for Sunday morning worship at 11 a.m. We are located at 81 Foundry Village Road, Coleraine, Massachusetts. If you have any questions or inquiries, please feel free to call the church at 413-624-8886. Hope to see you soon. God bless.